Praise the Lord. Warm welcome to the house of God today. Welcome to those who are watching online and special welcome to our international pastors and people and churches. Trust for a fresh understanding of the word of God today. The message today is entitled, entitled Blood and Fire and Vapor of Smoke. Blood and Fire and Vapor of Smoke. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2, begin verse 17. Words quoted by the Apostle Peter, quoting Joel's prophecy in Joel chapter 2. Prophesying on that day of Pentecost, speaking on that day, he said these words, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. The last days are the days between the first coming and the second coming of Christ. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Speak by inspiration. Supernatural utterance. Prophetic declaration. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above. In the last days, God says, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome or dreadful or terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Throughout the last days, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now there are quite the statements that are made concerning these last days. Peter said, there's going to be signs in the heaven, wonders in heaven. That is in the sky above. What is in the sky above? The sun and the moon. Wonders in heaven above. The sun will be darkened and the moon turned into blood. What about the earth? He said there will be wonders in the earth. Down here in the earth where we live. And he identifies them. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke or pillars of smoke. Which is a reference to the presence of God. Blood and fire and the felt presence of God. Peter said there, these events are going to occur the sun being darkened, the moon turned to blood, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. There are two comings of Christ. First coming is first advent 2,000 years ago. He came in his saving mission. And there was a fulfillment of the word of the Lord that the sun would be darkened and the moon turned to blood. But we know there's another coming of the Lord at the end of the age, the second coming of Christ, the return of the Lord. And again, the Bible predicts that the sun will be darkened and the moon will be turned into blood. Two great comings of the Lord, and I want to deal with those briefly in passing. First coming and second coming, both are spoken of as the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The first coming of Christ was a great and dreadful day. It was a great day for those who received him. It was a day of salvation and redemption. But for those who rejected him, it was a day of judgment. A day of damnation, 
to those who did not accept Christ as the Savior of the world. So it will be at the second coming of Christ. It will be a great day for the saints, those that have been redeemed of the ages, as we are caught up to be with the Lord, to forever be with Him, a day of salvation, a day in which He comes to be admired in the saints. But it will also be a dreadful day of the Lord for those who do not know the Lord. It's a day of damnation, hellfire and brimstone. Matthew 27, I want to refer to the first coming and note the darkness that fell over the land. Matthew 27, 45, as Jesus hung on the cross, Calvary's cross, it says, now from the sixth hour, until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. Noon till 3 p.m. Luke 23, 44 to 45. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. At the first coming, the sun was darkened. What about the moon? F.F. Bruce has a comment. It was little more than seven weeks since the people in Jerusalem had indeed seen the sun turned into darkness during the afternoon of the Lord's crucifixion. And on the same afternoon, the paschal full moon may well have, may well have well appeared blood red in the preternatural gloom. A blood moon as Jesus hung on the cross. The sun darkened. Darkness fell across the land. The moon turned into blood at the first coming of Christ. Second coming of Christ, Revelation 6, 12 to 17. The opening of the sixth seal, which is the coming of Christ, depicts the great day of the Lord. John said, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. Two comings of Christ, first coming, sun dark and moon turned to blood. Another coming yet to occur, the sun will be darkened, the moon will be turned to blood. It's the day of the wrath of God. It's the day of the outpouring of the wrath of the Lord upon the earth, the coming of Christ. These are the signs and wonders that the Bible says will be in the heavens. The two signs in the heaven. But what about the wonders? What about the signs on earth? Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Blood and fire in the felt presence of God. These are the wonders that are going to unfold, the Bible says, in the earth throughout the last days. And we understand these in relation to our own lives. I want to identify the blood and the fire 
by reading an article from the founder of the Salvation Army, William and Catherine Booth. In the late 1800s in England, a man and his wife, William and Catherine Booth, began the Salvation Army. The organization's battle cry, blood and fire, expressed Booth's determination that his Salvation Army carry the blood of Christ and the fire of the Holy Spirit into every corner of the world. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. William Booth, as a young man, felt the call of God to ministry and became a Methodist minister. He married Catherine, a preacher's daughter, and then the record is that he struggled for a time as an itinerant evangelist. But in July 1865, he held a tent mission in London's sin and gin-soaked East End. I have found my mission, he reported, and founded the East London Christian Mission thriving on lively band music, personal testimonies, and Booth's stirring preaching. He believed poverty was the devil's weapon, driving men to drink and women onto the streets. He soon began opening soup kitchens, followed by shelters for tramps and homes for reformed prostitutes. Renamed the Salvation Army in 1878, General Booth's troops campaigned across England and the enemy retaliated as a self-styled skeleton army of thugs, encouraged by brewers and pub keepers, attacking Salvationist rallies and marches with rocks, fists, and filth. Violence peaked in 1882 with nearly 669 attacks, and one female soldier was trampled to death. In another eight years, however, by the time Booth published his social reform strategy, proposing homeless shelters, legal aid, help for alcoholics and daycare centers, the Sally Ann, so termed because they believed in women ministers, had won international respect. Catherine passed away in 1890. William died at 83 years of age in 1912. And here we are over a century later, and the Salvation Army is represented still in many cities across the nations of the world. Blood and fire was their cry. Let's carry the blood of Christ and the fire of the Holy Spirit into every corner of the world. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Sometimes carrying the gospel message results in literal blood and fire. 669 attacks in one year, the retaliation of the enemy against the preaching of the gospel. I hope we haven't settled into a mindset where we believe that we can only conduct ourselves if there's painless and harmless advancement of the gospel. It's possible today to be so politically correct that we're biblically incorrect. And that when preachers and people are asked the hard questions, they don't answer them straight on from the Word of God. It's a sad day when you can't tell the difference between a preacher and a politician. It's a sad day when you can't tell the difference between a preacher and a politician. 
We must campaign the gospel. We must speak the gospel message. We must speak the words of truth because they alone are the words of life. Speak the gospel. It's a day to speak up lest they think we don't know what they're up to. It's a day to stand up. It's a day to preach up lest they think we don't understand what they're up to. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Speak, the, speak with boldness. Let's carry the blood and fire and vapor of smoke into all the earth. We've got the word of God backing us. We've got the king of heaven backing us. It's his gospel. He said there are going to be wonders in the earth, signs in the earth. It's going to be the blood of Christ. It's going to be the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be the felt presence of God in the earth. Those are the signs that he's putting forth in the earth. Number one today, the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. How do we carry the blood of Christ into this region, how do we carry the blood of Christ into the corners of the earth? By preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There's salvation in no other, the Bible says. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus, not simply a good man, a moral teacher, a prophet, but Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and there is no other. A miracle takes place as we preach the gospel. As we speak of the cleansing power of the blood of Christ for the sin of man, a miracle takes place in people's lives. A miracle of regeneration, conviction of sin, salvation and a believing sinner can be quickened to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Romans 1:16 the apostle Paul said, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. The good news of salvation in Jesus Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. A revelation comes into the heart of people. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We come alive by faith. We become righteous by faith. The preaching of the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. When the gospel is preached, attending it and accompanying it is the creation of faith in the heart of of the believer, present, or the art of the unbeliever, unbeliever, to present the gospel. As the gospel is preached, there is a divine working that takes place. Faith is generated. Faith is released. And that unbelieving sinner, when he hears the message of the gospel, can now receive that message. He can receive that faith that is coming with the promise of God 
And so he'll go to faith in Christ. From faith to faith. The, the unbelieving sinner comes to faith in Christ. We know how this works with all of the promises of God. As we read the Word of God or we sit under the preaching of the Word and the Word of God is preached and proclaimed, a promise of God comes forth for our lives. And what happens when that promise is declared? There is a quickening spirit with it. All of a sudden, faith is released. Faith is created. And we can reach out and receive that faith that's coming through that promise of God. And thereby we go from faith to faith. When we preach the gospel... When we preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit is there to quicken faith, to create faith so that the sinner can reach out and accept that faith and come to faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 10, he said, this is the word of faith which we preach. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. He said, when we preach the word of God, faith ignites, faith creates. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The great miracle that when the gospel is preached, people are convicted of sin. They accept the blood of Christ and that blood of Christ washes them from all sin and makes them a son or daughter of the living God. From faith to faith. Bold to speak the gospel. Bold to mention the blood of Christ and the work of Calvary. We carry the blood of Christ into all the earth. A wonder, a sign in the earth the blood of Christ throughout the last days to convince men and women of their sinfulness that they need a Savior and thus to humble themselves and accept the work of Christ and his salvation on the cross, the blood of Christ. Number two, the fire of the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Holy Spirit. William Booth wrote a hymn in 1894, Send the Fire. Blood and fire, said William Booth. There's no other way to carry the gospel into the earth. He wrote a hymn, Thou Christ of burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. Thy blood-bought gift today we claim, send the fire. Look down and see this waiting host. Give us the promised Holy Ghost. We want another Pentecost. Send the fire. God of Elijah, hear our cry, send the fire. To make us fit to live or die, send the fire. To burn up every trace of sin, to bring the light and glory in. The revolution now begin, send the fire. Tis fire we want, for fire we plead, send the fire. The fire will meet our every need, send the fire. For strength to ever do the right. For grace to conquer in the fight. For power to walk the world in white. Send the fire. To make our weak hearts strong and brave. Send the fire. To live a dying world to save. Send the fire. Oh, see us on thy altar lay. Our lives are all this very day. 
to crown the offering, now we pray. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Send the fire. We need the fire. We need to be on fire with the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is likened to fire. That burning power, that passion, that zeal, that holiness, that's the work of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit. John the baptizer said, Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. He said, I immerse you, I plunge you in water unto repentance upon the confession of your sin. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you. He will immerse you. He will plunge you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Send the fire. Jesus is the one who baptizes, immerses us into the Holy Spirit and into the fire of God. A Pentecost. A personal Pentecost for everyone. The Apostle Paul came to Ephesus in Acts 19 and he saw some believers there not realizing they were simply disciples of John. They, he thought they were already disciples of Christ. But he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? See, the Bible says in Acts 2.38, repent, be baptized in water, and then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the full gospel. That's the true gospel. Salvation. Repentance, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we, we don't even know of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, well, what were you baptized unto? They said, unto John's baptism. When Paul heard that, he instructed them more fully concerning Jesus Christ and the full salvation beyond what John had preached. And when he finished speaking to them, he baptized them in water, Christian baptism, and then he laid his hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. All 12 of them. All 12 of them. Not just a few of them. Thought it was for some people and not for others. 120 in the upper room. All were filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke with tongues, as the Holy Spirit filled them. It was for all of them. Who's afraid of the Holy Ghost? Anyone here afraid of the Holy Ghost? Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? We ask for the Holy Spirit. We ask for the power of God. We ask for a Pentecostal experience. We ask for that power of God. How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus told his disciples, tarry in Jerusalem, in the upper room, the prayer room, the worship room, the intercession room. He said, go into Jerusalem and wait in the upper room. And they continued in fastings and prayers and intercessions and seeking God. And the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And their lives were transformed with fire. Acts chapter 2. 
When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. This experience is for every person. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Three kinds of tongues. There's a tongue set on fire of hell in James chapter 3. A tongue set on fire of hell. And when you listen to men and women of the world, it's a tongue filled with cursing, with swearing, with filth, with bitterness, with anger, with strife. The Bible says it's a tongue set on fire of hell, hellfire. There's a human tongue. Normal conversation, natural language, communication, speech. And there are heavenly tongues. Supernatural tongues. When the Holy Spirit rests on us as fire, we're filled and our tongues become tongues of fire, tongues of the Holy Spirit, tongues of faith, tongues of the Word of God, speaking in other tongues, speak in tongues every day. Speak in tongues wherever you are, when you're driving, when you're walking, when you're working, speak in other tongues and let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn in you, burn in you. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit. You may have heard the name D.L. Moody. One Baptist minister remarked about D.L. Moody, the great American evangelist who was contemporaneous with Booth. Moody, 1837 to 1899, American evangelist, went overseas at times. He was in London preaching the gospel and the fire of God. This Baptist preacher said, when I got to the rooms of the Young Men's Christian Association, Victoria Hall, London, I found the meeting on fire. The young men were speaking with tongues, prophesying. What on earth did it mean? Only that Moody had been addressing them that afternoon. What manner of man is this, I thought. A man on fire. Young men being touched by the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. But that fire has to be received. That fire has to be received. Another testimony. One day Moody was walking down the street. And someone called to him and said, Hey Moody, isn't that one of your converts over there? And Moody looked up to see a man stumbling down the street in a drunken stupor. He nodded his head sadly and said, yes, if it were the Lord's convert, he wouldn't be doing that. The Lord's convert. The Lord's convert, filled with fire, filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the fire of God so we can be set on fire, so we can live with zeal and passion and the glory of God. And we need fire. The Lord makes his ministers a flame of fire. Good morning, ministers. The Lord makes his ministers a flame of fire. And we need fire because we need to be purged and purified. The ungodliness, the distress purged out of our lives. 
the ungodly behavior and conversation purged out, tongues of fire, so filled with the Holy Spirit that our tongues become tongues of fire of the Holy Spirit. We speak what's right. We speak what's true. We speak the praises and the promises of God. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, 49 to 50, for everyone will be seasoned with fire. Everyone will be seasoned, the authorized version says, salted with fire. Salted with fire or seasoned with fire. When you season something, you sprinkle seasoning on it. You cast seasoning on it. Jesus said, everyone will be salted, will be seasoned with fire. And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Why does he say salt? Well, the Old Testament sacrifices were seasoned with salt. Salt was cast upon them. But salt is used because salt is a fire. Salt is an illustration of fire. Salt has a burning property to it. It has an anti-corrupting influence in it. It's a purifying force. And Jesus said everyone needs that fire and every sacrifice needs to be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, if you lose your fire, the fire of God, how will you season the sacrifice? How will you present yourself before the Lord properly if you lose the fire? of the Holy Spirit, the power, the passion, the zeal of God. Jesus said, have salt in yourselves and be at peace. Have peace with one another. Living sacrifices we are. Present your body a living sacrifice, the Apostle Paul says. We come before the Lord and we lay our offerings before him. And the Bible says that our lives and our offering needs to be salted with fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit to purge, to burn, to make us holy, to keep us strong in the power of God. Isaiah chapter 4 says we're going to be cleansed by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. The spirit of judgment is the word of God. This word, the Bible says, is to judge us. We are to bring ourselves under the judgment of this word of God at all times. By the spirit of judgment, the word, and by the spirit of burning, the Holy Spirit, our personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, we will be cleansed and washed. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, make sure that your life, make sure that your sacrifice, what you're offering to the Lord is seasoned with salt, is seasoned with fire. Have fire. Have salt in yourself, Jesus said. In your members. In your heart. In your mind. In your hands. In your feet, eyes of fire, lips of fire, have fire in yourself, Jesus said. This fire of God needs to burn in all the earth. Wonders in the earth, blood and fire. And number three, vapor of smoke. Vapor of smoke. In the Old Testament, there was a visible cloud of God's presence that rested upon his people. Out from the Holy of Holies, ascending in a column and fanning out over the 
congregation of Israel was a pillar of cloud, as Joel says in Joel 2.30, this pillar of cloud, this vapor of smoke. It was a pillar of cloud by day and a column of fire by night. It represented the felt presence, the presence of God among his people. 1 Corinthians 10, moreover, brethren, verse 1, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All the people were under the cloud. They were under the blood. They'd come through the water. They were under the cloud of God's presence. And that cloud of God's presence was with them day and night. It was ever near to them. It was ever comforting to them. It was ever leading them. The felt presence of God. The power of God. The Lord says his presence is always going to be with us. And we say, Lord, make me more aware of your presence. No matter where I am, day and night, make me more aware of your presence. It's one of the signs, it's one of the wonders that you want to put into the earth upon your people. The presence of God, the felt presence of God, that which distinguishes us, that which makes us different from anyone else in this world. It's the presence and power of God. Jesus said, Matthew 28, 20, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always. Hebrews 13, 5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Open our hearts to the presence of God. Sensitize ourselves during the day to his presence. If something's agitating us or causing us fear, step aside, pull away for a few moments and Receive the presence of the Lord once again upon your life in a fresh way so it's tangible, so it's real, so you can make your way through this world victorious without stumbling, walking in the power and the presence of the Lord. Moses, in Exodus 33, spoke to the Lord about God's presence being with the people. And the Lord said to him, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. So we don't want to go anywhere without your presence. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So, shall, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. It's the presence of God that separates us, that distinguishes us from all other people on the face of the earth. Who has a God so near to them as our God is to us? He surrounds us. He's within us. His promises, his word, his comfort, his blessing rests on us day and night. Who has a God so near unto them? He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Not a circumstance, not a trial, not a moment of the day where we cannot feel that presence of God if we just open up our heart and sensitize our spirit. I am with you always, Jesus said. This is one of the great wonders of the life of God in the earth. The presence of God. The presence of God, Emmanuel. God with us. 
In Ezekiel 48, in verse 35, it says, In the name of the city, the new Jerusalem, from that day shall be the Lord is there. The Lord is there. The Lord is present with his people, Yahweh Shammah. We know the Lord as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We know him as Jehovah Rophe, our healer. We know him as Jehovah Shammah, our best friend God. Our best friend God. He's with us at all times. Never leaves us, never forsakes us. We live in his presence. Let's have the worship team come. Psalm 22 and 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Lord, you are holy, and you're the one who dwells. You inhabit, you reside in the praises of Israel. What a blessing to be part of the corporate gathering, to be part of a house of God and a family of God, because God has reserved a special presence for that gathering. There is no presence of the Lord like the presence that comes when God's people are gathered together, are praying, are hungry for him, are thirsting after his presence, are worshiping. The presence of the Lord comes down and settles upon that people. God inhabits the praises of his people. This is a presence of God, a felt presence, a manifest presence of God that you can't get at home. We have the presence of God in our home. We have the presence of God personally. But when we gather as his people, God says, I'm going to reserve a special, intense presence for that gathering of my people because it's so important to my heart. The presence of God, the corporate gathering. The Bible says the Lord loves the gates of Zion, his house, the place of the gathering of the people to worship. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. He loves the gates of Zion more than our homes. Now he loves our homes as fully as he can, but there's something he loves more, and that is when we come out of our homes and we gather together in the presence of the Lord, and we begin to sing and we worship, and his manifest presence and his felt presence comes down, vapor of smoke vapor of smoke in the house of the Lord, the felt presence of God among his people. What a privilege. What a privilege. I trust today that believers haven't trained themselves to stay home from church in this last year. My, how disregarding that would be of the ordinances of the Lord. How disrespectful that would be of the corporate gathering. And so we must honor the house of the Lord, honor the gathering of the people, and know that God inhabits the praises of his house, of his people as they gather together for him. Hallelujah. Let's stand together this morning. Praise the name of the Lord. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Blood of Christ. If you don't know the Lord, you're here this morning, never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is preached, the name of Jesus, his saving mission, his death on the cross. Faith is quickened. You would reach out this morning and say, 
I'm going to receive that faith. From faith, then I'm going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We contribute nothing to our salvation, not even the faith that makes it possible. God creates the faith in us. God sets forth, generates the faith that we can believe and take hold of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Only believe. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. The blood, the blood of Christ, fire of the Holy Spirit. If your heart is cold this morning, ask for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire we need, fire we want. Give us another Pentecost. Become filled with fire once again. Jesus said, don't lose your fire. Don't lose that salt. He said, make sure you don't go back. Don't become worldly. Don't become compromised. Have salt in yourself. Don't let the salt lose its power in you. Cast yourself upon the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Open up your spirit. Begin to speak in tongues. Begin to pour out fire. Tongues of fire back onto the Lord. Be lifted up with passion and zeal once again. Vapor of smoke. Thank God for his felt presence. Let's worship the Lord together. The altars are open. Any that want to come for prayer, come and seek the Lord for a few moments in the worship as we close out. God bless you this morning.